Father's Day to all our fathers. And then this week, uh, bless again with God our Father to see another day. Give him the glory, we praise him, we bless him. Uh, it's truly a joy uh, to know that we serve a good, good father. Uh, that he loves us and shows us what love looks like. And to praying for many of us who are blessed to have a relationship with our earthly fathers. We can definitely look to our heavenly father who sets the great example of what a father should look like and be like. And so praying for those who may be missing their fathers and you know you can turn to your heavenly father and praying for those who may not have a good relationship with their father that you can see God to be the heavenly father that can supply your every need. Uh, so as we look to our God this morning, let us go to him in a word of prayer as we prepare our hearts uh, to receive a word from today uh, as we look to our good, good father. Mighty God, Lord, we come to you just thanking you that you are a good God, that your love is everlasting. And so, Father, we thank you for uh, today. We thank you for blessing us with one more day in your presence. And, Lord, we're desperate, Lord, to hear a word from you. Uh, teach us, guide us how we can truly be uh, lights in this world, uh, that we can be the women and men of God who called us to be, and that we will walk out your truth in our lives, and that you receive all the glory. And all the honor, Lord, we pray. Amen. Again, happy Father's Day to all fathers. Uh, we pray that you are having a great day today. Uh, as we look into our word today, we want to turn to uh, Philippians, second chapter, focus on now verses 12 to 18. Um, as we've been walking through this text of Philippians, we're now in the second chapter at verses 12 to 18. And I encourage you to uh, join us there. Um, and the beautiful thing about as we're walking through this text, as we began this, uh, definitely we were in the shelter in place in many of the states. And the goal of this letter is for how can we maintain our joy, maintain our sanity in the midst of being confined uh, in our homes and limited in our availability to go to places. And Paul, as the example, was in prison, writes this letter. And this letter is filled with joy, it's filled with affection, it's showing his own spiritual discipline of prayer and meditation, the studying of God's word, and how we can also model that in our daily lives, whether we are confined or limited, or when we are free, that we still have this principle and this habit of searching God and seeking after him, praying for our brothers and sisters, praying with joy, encouraging them, as, he, as we look at verse 6 in that first chapter, says that, uh, he is confident that he who begun a good work will complete it until the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And, and that principle is very important to grab into that Paul has realized that we all are work in progress. And some of this suggests in this letter, right, there's a, 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 a rift in the church and he's praying for them to have unity. And he's realizing that no one's perfect, so God is working in us. Hallelujah. God is working in us, and he's working through us. And so may we be humble. May we submit to his will and let God have his way in our lives. And so that moves him towards in this prayer, how it says he, he, with joy he prays for them. And, and with joy and thanksgiving, he thanks God for them that he is partner with that he has a partner with this gospel message that he's in jail for but yet he's saying that don't be ashamed because i'm in chain because i am in chains i found out though i'm in chain but i am free 
and the gospel is still being preached. And he's excited about how the gospel is being preached, not only there and and Rome, but the guards and others are coming to know this gospel. And some are preaching, like he points out, that for they're trying to cause him pain, they're trying to cause him discomfort. But he's encouraged because he understands long as Christ is being preached. And that's what I'm excited about. And then as he's continued excited about, hey, don't feel ashamed of me. Don't feel uh, sad about me in this situation is for the build the, uh, the the upliftment and the betterment of the gospel. He goes on to continue to pray this prayer for them that they will grow in knowledge and wisdom and understanding, uh, that they will continue to um, work with singleness of mind and have a unity and have a fellowship. And so when he has this unity and this fellowship is when we pick up now in the second chapter saying that. If you have this relationship in Christ, then there's encouragement, then there's comfort, there is joy, there is consolation, and then there's a singleness of mind, a singleness of spirit. And it says, you'll make my joy complete by having this mind, the mind of Christ. And, and that's when he has the mind of Christ is, is this humility that we look at verses 6 and 11 from last, uh, our last message about how the, the hymn of Christ, the humility of Christ, that though he was in the form of God, thought of not robbery to come in the form of man, in the image of man, in the form of a slave, that he was even obedient unto death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God highly exalted him, gave him the name that's above every name, that every knee shall bend and every tongue shall confess in heaven and on earth and under her, that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. And so that's where we unpack, and now we're moving towards a great demonstration of Paul was pointing out to them, say, if we can have this unity, um, if we can have this community, if we can love one another and encourage one another, we'll have joy, we'll feel joy, we'll be encouraged, we'll feel better about ourselves. And now we're saying this out, now he wants to give them even more application how to walk it out. When he looked at verses 11, I'm sorry, when he looked at verses 5 through 11, he is pointing out that Christ is our example of, of humble living, of humility, of service. And now he's pointing out that how as we do this humble uh, service to, and having this attitude, this mind of Christ, then we'll be lights in this world. And so this is what we're going to talk about today, about how we are to live as lights in this world. This world we are in is a dark time, but yet we want light. And so think about how we put lights in our neighborhoods. We put lights in our yards. Um, we put our, we have lights on our cars. We put lights on our bikes or reflectors on our bikes because we understand that when it becomes dark, we need uh, signs and vision to help us see and navigate in dark areas. Because you understand that even in your house that you know where everything is when the lights are on, but turn the lights off, you're more prone maybe to stub your toe or step on something that you knew what it was there, but you forgot to pick it up and you stepped on it. Now you have an injury, you have some pain, you have some suffering. And, and that's what happens that when we are operating in the light, we can remove some of the dangers and the snares and the traps that are around us and give us a light, a path of safety. And how much more in this dark world that we need people to be guided in how to live a life of peace, or live a life of joy, live a life of submission and surrender in the great love of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and how their lives will be turned around because they have light in front of them to lead them not the wrong way, but in the right way that we can be lights to lead them to the way, the truth and the life. 
And so when we look at our text today, we want to talk about how uh, we ought to live with reverence and humility, allowing God to work in you as you will do his work and bring glory to God, living a blameless life in the midst of this dark world. And so I'm encourage you that you will live a great will live a great reverence to God and live a blameless life before him by having his word hidden in your heart. And so God has called us to live as lights of the world. Matthew 5, verse 14, in the Sermon on the Mount, right? Christ says this, that you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. As, as lights, we are to be like Jesus, who is the light of the world. And so we are to be imitators of Christ, being lights in this dark world. In John 8, chapter, verse 12, New Living Translation says it this way. Jesus spoke to the people once more and said, I am the light of the world. If you follow me, you won't have to walk in darkness because you will have the light that leads to light. Hallelujah. That if we are following after Christ, we have light that leads to light. And then if we are light, hallelujah, we should be able to light somebody else as you can take candles. Y'all been to those parties, right, of, of visuals. Or celebrations and people have candles and one lights and they ignite the other one and ignites the other one. That we too as lights to be able to ignite and encourage others around us and we get more light as we're following the light. And so also too in the process that since he is the light, he is the natural, he is the real light. He's not artificial light. And think about how light works, how it enlightens and it illuminates in the darkness. And, and we know this, that Christ wants us to follow after him because he came to give us life and how much more we have life if we follow the light. Philippians 1 and 6 points out that if we're following after him, we have encouragement because Paul is setting this theme of encouragement about how to follow after Christ and, and have the work that is in us continue in us, right? Philippians 1 and 6. And I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Paul is encouraging the Philippians to live like Jesus. God is working in us and through us. Anybody out there can testify, right? I'm a work in progress. I'm not where I want to be, but thank God I'm not where I used to be. And so we can look to God and say, thank you, God, that you're working in us and through us. And so this confidence of this salvation we have that God is working in us and the charge he's called us to live as citizens of heaven being and royal priesthood is, is in the view of this united relationship we have in Christ and what we have in the church. This call is a call of humility in the mind of Christ. And Paul continues this letter with the call of humility to encourage them to live out this life in full effort. And so this is where we pick up verses 12 and 18 when he's trying to encourage them how to live this life. He says, dear friends, you always follow my instructions when I was with you. And now that I am away, it is even more important. Work hard to show the results of your salvation, obeying God with deep reverence and fear. For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God. Shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Hold firmly to the world of life. Then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain, 
and that my work was not useless. But I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share that joy. Yes, you should rejoice and I will share your joy. He points out that he wants them to live with fear and trembling or as New Living Translation says, with reverence and deep fear. And so when we talk about living with fear and in trembling, basically that we ought to walk in humble submission and reverence and awe of God. When we think about this word of reverence, this word of reverence comes from a place of in, in respect and having a sense of awe and where we get that word awesome from. That is why when we sing that song, our God is an awesome God, means that he is worthy of respect and awe and reverence because our God does things that nobody else can do. For example, as we know, the terminology is as awesome as we use it in our vernacular, right, to, to, to describe something that happens, man, that is awesome. Well, imagine that you are a part of the children of Israel and, and you are walking from Egypt to the Red Sea. And you have the Pharaoh and his chariots behind you coming after you. You have water before you. You're thinking like we trapped in this place. And that's what they thought. And then they turned to God and God tells Moses to stretch out his arm. And then he stretched out his arm. A wind blew and it separated the Red Sea and they walked on dry land. And when they got on the other side and, and God said, stand here and watch your deliverance and watch me remove your enemy from you today. I guarantee when they saw that water crash and Miriam wrote that song, they were probably saying, our God is an awesome God. That's the kind of thing that our God does. It's an awesome thing, an amazing thing to do things that's beyond our understanding. We more personally can identify the awesomeness of our God when you decided in your own life to deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow after Jesus. You, did, you, you came to a moment in time in your life that you found out he's an awesome God, worthy to be praised. You might have fallen down on your knees. You might have fallen on your face when you cried out and said, Lord, save me from my sin. And you found out the awesomeness of his power when your heart was able to leap with joy and you were able to rejoice and think about the joy of your salvation to know that you have been saved. That's an awesome God and how that awesomeness of God will change us now that we don't do the things we used to do because out of fear and, and trembling, out of deep reverence and fear, out of respect, not because we are afraid and that kind of fear, but because I revere him, I respect him, I'm in awe of him, that I'm going to do the things that brings glory to my God, not saying to my God, I'm going to do the things that's going to bring unity for the body of Christ, not tear it down. I'm going to do things to show others that I am a light of the world and I'm not here to bring forth darkness. I'm going to do things and let others know that Christ loves you and I love you because I am a worker of the kingdom of God. These are the things that we should be demonstrating in the world so when the world looks at us, they got signposts, they got lights, they got directions that's going to lead us to to be light and we'll be on the journey together and, and what a joy it shall be when we can work together. And so serve the Lord with reverence and fear. Rejoice with trembling. Uh, Psalm 211 is, is echoed in Philippians 2nd chapter uh, verse 12. 
The psalm calls for a response to God, a one of humility and service and reverence to God. This kind of respect will guide us to live holy for the Lord. God calls us to be holy because he is holy. And so this is what we ought to reflect in our lives. Psalm 2 and 11 says, serve the Lord with reverent fear and rejoice with trembling. I find that very beautiful because Paul mentions in his text about how we find joy in God. And there's joy in reverence. There's joy in respecting God. And the reason why we have joy, Philippians 2 verse 13 simply says, for God is working in you, giving you desire and the power to do what pleases him. Oh, hallelujah. See, God is with us. I, I can't do it on my own, but by his grace. Hallelujah. So God does not leave us. Jesus shows us the faithfulness of God as he calls us to abide in him and he will abide in us. God shows his faithfulness in leading us. As I talked about earlier, the children through the wilderness and the promised land, he's going to lead us the same way to the direction he wants us to go. So Paul encouraged us to live to please the Lord, knowing that God is working in us. So God working in us to do his will, to give us confidence and boldness, no greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. Jesus also gave us the promise that we now can be recipients of and know about as the Holy Spirit that teaches us and enables us to grow in wisdom and knowledge and understanding of God. And so his encouragement for you that there's times in your lives that you're lacking direction, you're feeling that you don't know which way to go. That's a time we need to stop and spend some quality time with God and saying, Lord, where should I go? What, what direction do I need to be in my life? There's decisions you have to make, right, about whether it be your job, right, about your family, about where you should move. Spend quality time in prayer with God to get your direction. And, and notice how, again, light involves direction. We get our direction by looking at the stars and the suns and the moon. We, we understand by direction how the sun rises and how the sun sets by direction. We know how the star on the dip, we call it the north star, by direction. Now, we can use the, 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 the astrology and the science of light to give us direction. That's why harvesters will come out at, and work longer on the harvest moon days because the moon is, when it's a full moon and the sun is reflecting that light off that moon, it gives them better light at night. We are getting direction by light. So always go to the light to get right direction so you can go in the right direction and know where you need to be. Thank God that he's always working in us. Thank you, Father, for not giving up on us and being with us, that we can walk it out. We can work it out. As it says, right, that for God is working in you, giving you desire and the power to do what pleases him. So you have already in you when you just trust in God. When we get plugged into any kind of electric source, right, you get that power that's already stored in there. And we have power, hallelujah, through our God who has unlimited power, who never runs out. He doesn't need a backup generator. He does not need another uh, place of source because he is power. And so when we are in need of power to accomplish his will, it's ready and available for us. And so live clean lives according to God's word. Philippians 4.15. Do everything without complaining and arguing so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, 
shining like bright lights in a whirlpool of crooked and perverse people. Followers of Christ are to be examples to the world. Philippians 2 and 14 echoes Deuteronomy 32 and 5. This is a call to God's people as light bearers and not to be doers of evil. Deuteronomy 32 verse 5 from New Living Translation reads this way, but they have acted corruptly towards him when they acted so perversely are they really his children? They are deceitful and twisted generations. And so Paul's affirming us, saying, no, don't be that way. Don't be perverse, but be light bearers. Be reflecting of God, your father, so that you'll follow him. There should be a difference in followers of Christ than those who are in the world. The emphasis for unity is also reflected how do things without grumbling and complaining that we ought to work together and encourage one another and not disgruntle and work against each other. So that we could be examples, right, verse 15, so that no one can criticize you. Live clean, innocent lives as children of God, right? If God's our father, then we ought to reflect him by how we live for him. And how can we live for him? Shining like bright lights in a world full of crooked and perverse people. Live for the kingdom and be light. Hold firm to the word of light. Notice this, right? Have the word hidden in our heart that we might not sin against. Philippians 2.16 again says, hold firmly to the word of light. Then on the day of Christ's return, I will be proud that I did not run the race in vain and that my work was not useless. Paul is encouraging the church to be faithful in their commitment and show that his labor was not in vain and preaching to them, proclaiming them, because he wants to see them be faithful and be great examples for the world. Living for the kingdom brings joy. Paul's pointing that out, says, I will rejoice even if I lose my life Pouring out like a liquid offer, like a libation, I'm, I'm, I'm opening myself up to be poured out by God. Just like you, your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share that joy. Yes, you should rejoice and I will share your joy. There's joy in being an offering unto God, to celebrating the work of God in our life. Paul's pointing out that this, we should be asking God, God, Lord, fill me up and pour me out. To be on a libation for his glory, for his honor. And so I want to encourage us as we're living as lights, that we need to realize that I need to be plugged into the source. I need to be filled up with his power so that I can be poured out. So just as I cannot be, uh, be uh, set on fire, hallelujah, without fuel, I need the fuel to be able to light. And so God has given us the fuel and he's going to give us the measure to contain that, that fuel so that we can be light bearers. And then this, that we can be light bearers for others and encourage them to the light. And, and watch this. Don't worry about if you're going to run empty. God will fill you back up. So he, because he never runs dry. Jesus says that I will give you living water. And from, and he says in that you have a spring of living water. From that will bring forth water. So let you know that you will have an opportunity to continue to grow and mature. The world is going to try to drain you. The world is going to try to put you out. But yet when you're living as light for Christ, hallelujah, he is the one that's going to make sure your maintenance is taken care of. So you got to give. And allow God just to give back to you. But you have to give and let him fill you up so that he can pour you out. Find joy in serving and caring one for another. We are called to give our life for the glory of God. So live to be poured out for the Lord, knowing that God can fill you up. Find joy in surrendering to the Lord to serve him with fear and trembling. 
with deep reverence and fear so that you could be a light in this dark world. Let us pray. God, we thank you that you've called us to be lights. Thank you, God, that you showed us how what light looks like by being the light of the world. Thank you, God, that you've called us out of darkness into your marvelous light. Thank you, Father, that you have forgiven us for our dark acts and our evil deeds. And your mercy, your grace, your love is so forever experienced and expressed to us through your actions. And so, Father, may we continue to share this gospel, this truth with others, to know that God loves them and he forgives. And so maybe we surrender and submit to your holy will, Almighty God, and allow you to work in us and through us. Thank you, God, that you will never leave us nor forsake us. And may we continue to follow you. May we continue to trust you. May we continue to be examples. And may we continue to lead others to you as we be light in this dark world, Lord, we pray. Amen. Thank you so much again for joining. You can continue to submit your offerings online or by mail. A design, hopefully receive your letters as well, uh, that we'll be able to try to do virtual communion um, as we still wait in the time to be safely able to come back uh, together. Uh, feel free to email, call, or reach out, and, just, and, and look forward to uh, also your Sunday school books to join uh, Sunday school virtually as well. And so, Zion, we love you. We thank you. God bless you. And remember, Jesus loves you, and so do I, until we meet again.